This is Pastor Mike from Jordan Lutheran Church, and you're about to hear one of our Sunday morning messages. At Jordan, we're passionate about learning from the Bible and pray that this message makes an impact in your life. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We as a congregation are starting a four-week journey to look at the common grounds that we share. And this morning, what I want to talk to you first about is what it is for us to know Christ. And over these coming weeks, you're going to have a chance to hear uh, from a few members of the congregation to talk about the life of our congregation as it is unfolded uh, and how the Lord has worked uh, in his wonderful and powerful ways. Uh, So I hope you enjoy this little segment as we hear a little more of what God is doing in our lives. God, embrace the word impact all nations. As a congregation, that has been our mission, that we would go out, that people might come to know who Christ is in their lives. Throughout these four weeks, we have a chance to see in depth what it is for us to put that mission statement into practice, that we know Christ, that we grow in Christ, that we serve Christ, and that we go for Christ. On this week, we have a chance to realize what it is to know Christ. To know him and how he has made himself known through the waters of baptism and through the scriptures. And I pray you are blessed by the opportunity to hear more of what Christ has done in the lives of members in our congregation. With me today is Lynn Springer. And I'm excited, Lynn, to have a conversation with you about what it is to know Christ. Lynn, could you tell us a little bit about your experience when you served as a representative for our congregation uh, to the Southeastern District's Convention? Certainly. Um, I was very excited to go. I was a little nervous. Um, It was a great, great experience. There were over 400 people there. Um, We were all there to do God's work. We were all worshiping together. We sang together. And I felt there was not a stranger in the room. It didn't matter whether they were a layperson, whether they were a worker from the um, convention or from the district, or whether they were a pastor from another church. We were together to do God's work, and it it was amazing. Now, Lynn, how does that connect to a person who didn't see convention? Where can they have that same connection of community that they can be known? Where would that take place? It would take place every week when we go worship together in church. We're together. It's a smaller community, but we are all there. We're doing God's work. We're worshiping. We're listening to the word, and we're together, and it's one common theme. So 400 people, 100 people, but one Christ. Yes, it doesn't matter how many people. As we talk this week about knowing Christ, where is it that we have Christ knowing us? Well, Christ is present at the altar. He's present with the sacraments. Um, He's present when we need, um, I think, peace and support. Because sometimes there's this feeling that comes from nowhere. But it doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from God, especially if you're in the middle of, of some strife or some difficulty. And you have the people around you who are Christians and believers, who are also supporting you. Knowing Christ is about being known by him as well. Now what I want you guys to think about is that moment in your life, some point where someone was there for you to help you understand who Christ was. Just take a moment, just, and it could be at any season. You could have been a child. You could have been a teen. It could be right now. It could be someone who's there beside you. But I want you to draw to mind, what was that experience like? 
Someone helping you to know Christ. There are many people in my life who have filled in that for me. But one that came to mind for me, well, it wasn't even one. It was actually two. I was in high school, and it was a summer in Westminster, Maryland. Uh, and there were two young college ladies who, for whatever reason, would hang out with me and my friend Matt. And I was completely convinced they were hanging out with me because I was cool. Now, you're only laughing. Well, actually, I don't know why you're laughing. I thought I was that cool. Well, we had a whole lot of fun, but I really didn't understand what it was that was going on that we laughed, we went all different places. I knew that they had helped at a, a Bible study I was involved in, but I didn't understand why it was that they wanted to spend time with Matt and I. And I want to leave that experience on the side just for a moment and invite you to turn to Exodus. So at Exodus, uh, we're going to look at the passage that was our first reading this morning, Exodus 16, verse 4. This is the account of the provision uh, of manna as well as quail and what God is doing. So Exodus 16, verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day, that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. Now the whole problem that comes up here, and you may not have seen it, is who's doing the providing? Who is it that's really bringing this Bread from heaven, this manna. Who is it that's providing what they need? See, the people thought it was Moses. The people thought Moses is doing this great thing for us. They didn't hear the rest of the story. They didn't hear the start of 16 verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to. (laughs) They saw Moses, they saw manna, and they said, That's our guy. Matt and I are there that summer in Westminster, Maryland. We're two high school guys, and there's girls two years older than us who are hanging out with us. We're living the dream. We were totally convinced that it was about us. There's a lot of us that are convinced it's totally about us. I thought it was just me. So what does it mean to know Christ? And I know we've got a couple stories all out there. They'll all come back. For us as a congregation, one thing we need to make sure we understand is how it is that God works. The promises that God has to come to us in sacraments, a sacred act. Now, we have an understanding of what those sacred acts are, and there's three things. Instituted by Christ has a physical element, something you can touch, and it offers the forgiveness of sin. Namely, you know them as baptism, as the Lord's Supper, that this is where God's going to do his work. People weren't sure if it was maybe just Moses giving them manna, right? Matt and I are convinced it's all just about Matt and I because we're that cool. Westminster High School never had cooler guys than us. My false assumption was that I was the only reason they wanted to hang out. It wasn't until years later I looked back and realized, no, I was kind of fun. I'll throw that out there. I was kind of a fun guy. But those young ladies loved the Lord. And in that Bible study, there were many of us in attendance. 
And they wanted to make sure that we knew they didn't just care about us during the study. That it was worth spending time to laugh, to hike, to eat snowballs, and to walk around fields waiting for planes to take off, because that's just something you do in summer in Westminster, Maryland, because there wasn't a lot there. But they wanted us to realize because Matt and I mattered to God, Matt and I mattered to them. You see, it's about mentoring and discipling someone else. So many of you have a picture of who's that person in your life who maybe stood there for you and they could have spoken a lot or they stood there with you and they actually said nothing but in their saying nothing they did more than you could ever have imagined. Who is it that God sent into your life but did you get hung up on that's the person that did it or did you let go and realize, God, you sent that person? It took me a while to realize that Jody wasn't there because I was cool. Jody was there because she cared about God and God cared about me. And somewhere along the way, we laughed and had a lot of fun as well. The people of God were convinced that Moses was the guy. It was just Moses. And they missed out on the fact Moses was just a guy. <laughs> I mean, sounds the same, right? But he was literally just a guy. But God was using him in mighty ways. And they needed to have things reset. Now, how do we know this? We know it from John 6, our gospel text. Our fathers ate man in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, to those gathered, he says, truly, truly, I said to you, it was not Moses. It was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. Now, some of you, if you could go back to Exodus 16 and you could put on like your, your little time travel goggles, you'd be like, but Moses is there. He said bread, here we have bread manna. So it's Moses. <laughs> Jesus is like, no, you got it all confused. Moses is just a placeholder. And I've used many placeholders in my life. Brian, Andrew, Tom, Sally, Phil, Tabitha, whoever you want it to be, name the person in your heart. God used that person. But Jesus says it wasn't the person, it wasn't Moses but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven, but my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. See, the people of Israel, even though Moses said he brought them, man, the one who said God had done, they, still, they heard it differently. Isn't that amazing? Moses didn't stand and say, I'm bringing you bread. He doesn't do that. But the people just interpreted, well, Moses is the guy in front, so he's the one doing it. Oh, boy. The more we read about the scriptures, we realize that we're just like every person in there, <laughs> which is really, really encouraging and really, really sad at the same time. For those of you who know more of those biblical accounts, you go, wow, <laughs> that is overwhelming. It's exciting. It's encouraging. It's challenging. So what about you? What is it that has happened in your life that you thought was the result of your doing something great? What is it in your life that you've held, I got this because it was me? I was a young high schooler, thought I was all that. Then you get out of high school and you realize there's a lot more life, right? And if you have that same experience, those four years, you thought you were king of the world. By the time I was a junior, man, I, I thought I ran the place. 
And in some ways, if you ask some teachers, I probably did. I could share some stories. Uh, I would have gotten in a whole lot more trouble if 1993 to 97 was today. But thanks be to God, it wasn't. So what about you? What is it that you've done that you thought, boy, this is what I got? I really thought this was something I deserved. Because the scriptures tell us something totally different than where most of our hearts and minds will go. The scriptures tell us that the only thing we deserve is death. That's it. I don't care what you've done. The scriptures say everyone has fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone. There's not a soul in this room who is worthy to come before God on their own. Not a one. So how is it that we as a church who start out February 8th, 2009, come forward and celebrating, exciting, what is it that we bring then if everyone's got no chance? We bring something different. It's not manna. It's not quail. It's not even Moses. It's Christ. But Christ as he truly wants to be seen. Christ alone. Christ coming saying, I have done all these things for you. For us, gathering in worship is joy. (laughs) Or I hope it is. I really do. It's tough when you start preaching week in and week out to realize the different feel that it is to sit in a seat in a pew. I find myself separated from that experience now. And I don't know everything it is to hear rather than it is to preach. Because, man, I remember many services where I sat there going, give me a cool, like, image. Give me something. I'm, I'm sketching down something on my page. I want something I can take with me. If not, then this has got nothing for me. Don't give me that Jesus thing. I heard that one last week. It's funny how the stuff we want to cling on to isn't the stuff we actually need. The people clung on to Moses because they figured he's the guy that brought the cool stuff. Let's stick to Moses. Moses going, no, I'm trying to point you to God who's actually got greater things for you. And all they wanted to do was cling to Moses. You see, for us gathering worship, to know Christ as a congregation means to know where he delivers his gifts. Where is it that he comes forward? See, my high school story was I thought I had it all together, but I didn't know the full thing. I didn't realize that it matters how you talk to people throughout the week. People are actually watching you every single day. And I don't say it to scare you. I say it to encourage you. That your ability to smile in adversity speaks volumes past any word you would say. I assure you. The fact that you could smile when you're going through strife, even if you don't have to explain the why, people are watching. And it might be four weeks. It may be four years. It might be a decade. And they say, how is it that in that trial, in that season, you stood firm? Because I knew Christ. Because I knew the bedrock who said, in my word, I am present. And I dove into that word every single day. And I cried. (laughs) And I didn't know where to look. I didn't know where to start. And I tried at the beginning, then I hit Leviticus, and that was a brick wall. And then I tried the other end, I read Revelation, and that scared me to death. Uh, so then I kind of found myself in the middle, and I was in the Psalms, and there I found comfort. And from there, I read back to each end, and I realized God had the whole story, and it was beautiful. That I realized what God was up to, but it took me a couple times. 
It might take you a couple times. It may take you dozens of times. But God will always be there. Always. It's Satan who wants to convince you that God isn't there. We don't gather here just for mere stories. It's why for eight weeks leading up to today, we have looked at common ground to realize that we are built on a premise that God gave us instructions in the Ten Commandments and that God continues to remind us of the faith we have through a creed. A creed invented, yes, by human beings to remind us to articulate quickly what is it that I hold to. Any of you ever have like a family cheer? Anyone have something like that? Yeah. Did you know the church does? It's a creed. It's like a family cheer. You got something to hold on to. Now, how many of you have like a, a song for your alma mater? Anyone got one of those? I, I know my mom to this day can still sing the Eastern High School song. I mean, like if, if you just like give her one word, Eastern High School, man, she's ready to go. My dad at Polytechnical Institute in Baltimore, same thing. You get him near a poly guy, he's ready to go. I sit there going, how'd they do that? I mean, I like my high school, but like so ready to go for life. And may we as Christians be the same about Christ, that when I hear someone else who says, I'm a Christian, that you'd be like, sweet, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And they'd say, yeah, so do I. And you'd look at each other with a smile and say, I know Christ because he knows me. We're coming to that sad season of life, right? Some of you consider this a really sad season. It's coming, man. Football. Yeah. I know. It's sad because you'll lose some family members. You lose them. They're gone. And they'll justify it with, well, you know, it's football. Like, if I could get you that jazzed about church, like get you jazzed about Christ, like, man, get me at 930. We're going to sing an awesome hymn. Can't wait. Satan doesn't work as hard to keep you from football as he works to keep you from church. Satan doesn't work as hard to keep you from movies, books, meals, cooking, traveling, vacation, as he does to keep you from church where he promises to be. To know Christ is to come where he promises to be, at his table inviting, that God says, I am here in bread and wine for you. And how easy the excuses fall off our lips nowadays, is it not? Well, I got to get away. Oh, good. That's awesome. I'm delighted that you're getting away. Where are you going to worship? <laughs> I don't really want to get into where I'm going to worship. Heaven forbid you meet Christians from another part of the country world and be lifted up by that. Some of the neatest places I've gone... Uh, are places where I've actually taken the time. I've had Sundays where I didn't. But boy, on the Sundays you go in and step into another church, it's exciting. It's encouraging. You just realize, man, here's another little place that God's doing awesome things. And little could be 200 people, 400 people, as Lynn shared about convention. It could be 1,000 people. It's still little. <laughs> Isn't it funny? Like mega churches are like, oh, we're just like 15,000 people in our church. That's small. You looked at the population of the world recently? I'm pumped that they're there, but I'm also pumped you're here because God knows you. And God refuses to allow you to ever be forgotten. 
John 6, and 35, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world, to the whole world. To know God is to know that he is present. They said to him, and this is great, I love the recorded questions in Scripture. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Never hunger and never thirst. That goes back to Exodus 16, does it not? And we got manna. Manna, yeah. Quail. We've got stuff ready to go. It doesn't take long for that magical gift of God to become dry and stale. Ah, I'm not impressed with manna anymore. I liked Egypt more. We had more choices. Except when I was in Egypt, I hated it. You ever consider the funniness of this congregation as we look forward five years from now, ten years from now? Someone's going to make this statement. I liked the stadium seating better. <laughs> I'm not planning to go anywhere, but you know there's going to be some day someone's going to come and they're going to say, well, you know, we liked Pastor Mike better. We're the same as every story in Scripture. We get wrapped up in what we think is the right thing. Brothers and sisters, Christ is the right thing. Do not miss out on what God is doing through Christ. He is inviting you to see his greater joys. See, the triumph of a congregation that realizes we encounter God in worship has taken us to be able to share missionary efforts in this community, helping to share joy to Ethiopian congregations that are now here in the Raleigh area, worshiping with our Lutheran community as they've come from Ethiopia, multiple language groups. It is the joy of us having sent families to the Dominican Republic who for five years were there and have now returned to realize God's using you as a conduit. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a theater or you're in your own building, whether you're on rented ground or ground you own. God does his work regardless of your physical locale. Some of the best times God was with you in your life, you were completely lost. And you look back now and say, thanks God for being there. You don't ever want to go back to that lost place. I know that. But it seemed like it brought great joy. Exodus 16, verse 15, when the people of Israel saw it, (laughs) that is speaking of what was delivered to them. This This is a great question of God's people. So God provides to them, some of you already read it, God's providing for them there in the wilderness. They look at it, And they say, what is it? Isn't that great? God's provision. God gives them food, gives them what they need, sustains them, nurtures them, has it all set. What is it? God says, I am here at the font. I will provide for you. I will name you my child. I will, through the waters of baptism, connect you to my life, my death, and my resurrection. I will feed you and sustain you at the Lord's Supper, giving you my body and blood so you know you're never alone. What is it? All right, we'll try it again. So I will meet you and name you at the font. I will feed you at the Lord's Supper, and I will never, ever let you know that you're alone. Well, what is it? We're the same people. We need to be reminded again and again that God will not let you alone. The text continues, for they did not know what it is. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. God gives you his gifts every day. He gives them to you in the word, inviting you in to know of Christ and to make him known as he meets you at the font and as he sustains you at his table. May you be built up as Christ alone comes to you. It's not your pastor. 
It's not your stadium seating. It's not Beaver Creek. It's not Apex. It's not Wake County. It's not Johnson County. <laughs> it's not Chatham County. It's not Durham. It's not Orange. It's not Pearson. It's not any other county that you want to name. It's Christ. Christ at the center that we would make Christ known as he has made himself known to us. To God alone be the glory. Amen. We're glad you've connected with us online and look forward to the opportunity to see you in person. On behalf of everyone at Jordan, we hope you will join us as we gather in worship of our Savior, Jesus Christ, every Sunday morning at 930 at Beaver Creek Cinemas in the peak of good living, Apex, North Carolina.